I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode 40 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Here we are, episode 40. I seriously get so excited every time I hit a new milestone and marker with this podcast. And I remember being nervous about whether or not I would actually be able to keep up with weekly episodes. That was, if you remember listening to my very first episode, that was one of the things that prevented me from starting this podcast the many, many years ago when I first had the idea. But as it turns out, I love recording these episodes, and it is simply because I love you guys. I love this audience. It is so fun when I connect with teachers on Instagram or in our Upper Elementary Reading Teachers Facebook group or inside the Stellar Teacher Reading Membership, and you guys always ask such good questions, and it is your questions and comments that are the things that fuel me and give me ideas for this podcast episode, and so I seriously look forward to recording it every single week. So thank you for being around for 40 episodes, and I hope that you will continue to stick around for the next 40 and beyond. Last week, if you listened to my episode, it was all about word walls and why your classroom should have word walls in upper elementary. So I thought I would continue on and do another episode that is related to vocabulary because I know a lot of teachers actually ask about vocabulary. And so Today, I'm going to share with you 10 tips for teaching vocabulary in upper elementary, and I promise they're quick. I'm going to get through them quickly, so this is not going to be a super long mega episode. I know 10 might sound like a lot, but we're going to make this fast and furious. Before I jump into my instruction, I feel like I am going to share something that is going to be pretty unpopular, but it comes from experience, so just bear with me here. I remember um, when I was first teaching, I taught with a basal program. And if you have a basal, then you probably have a list of weekly words that you have to give your students. So every week we had five or seven vocabulary words. 
that I gave my students, and we studied those words, we played games with them, we had them in a center, they were part of their homework, and then on Friday, they took a quiz. And my students always did so well on those quizzes. They most of the time would ace them. And it made me feel really good because I was like, oh, I must be a really good vocabulary teacher. If my students do well on a test, that is a sign that I am a good, I'm a good teacher and I've done my, I've done my job with teaching. But then I started to notice something. I started to notice that my students would do really, really well the week we were studying those words. And then if a word came up in discussion or conversation, or if they read it, or if it came up in small group a couple weeks later, they had forgotten what it meant. They had absolutely no idea. So while my vocabulary instruction seemed to work for the short term, for the singular week, I realized that over time, my students' vocabulary wasn't increasing. It wasn't actually growing as a result of having weekly words that we focused on, that they were quizzed on. And so I got to the point where I decided I was no longer going to assign my students the weekly vocabulary words because it simply wasn't working. And so if you are still using a basal program, I want to challenge you to consider saying goodbye to those weekly vocabulary quizzes and those weekly vocabulary words. And I still want you to focus on vocabulary, and I still want you to make that a priority part of your instruction because it is so important, but I want you to consider teaching it in a different way. And I say that with love, <laughs> and I say that with an understanding uh, because I have been in that experience, but I think so often we as teachers do things that we have always done or things that our school or district or curriculum asks us to do, and we don't always take the time to consider, is this actually effective? And so If you have figured out a way to use those weekly vocabulary lists and your students actually remember those words and they use those words week after week after week, then carry on. But if your students were like mine and in the week they knew those words and two weeks later they had forgotten them, then let me give you a couple ideas on how you can switch up and change your vocabulary instruction. And here's the thing about vocabulary. No matter what subject you teach, you are a vocabulary teacher. So If you're a reading teacher, which I'm assuming most of you are, because that's really what I talk about, then this is important. But even if you teach something other than reading, vocabulary is important for all content areas. So these tips are going to work no matter what subject you teach. So tip number one, you want to explicitly teach new vocabulary words. So if you are teaching your students, you know, if you want to help them grow their vocabulary, you have to introduce them to new words. Our students are exposed to new words kind of accidentally when they're reading, and that is super helpful for them. But we also want to make sure that we are explicitly teaching new vocabulary words. This doesn't necessarily mean, though, that each week we're giving them a list and we're quizzing them on them. But what this might mean is before you teach plot, you explicitly teach your students what climax is or what exposition is. If you are teaching your students all about figurative language, you're going to explicitly teach them what literal meaning is and what figurative is. So you're going to explicitly teach the content words that your students need to be successful in whatever that upcoming lesson is. And again, those are some examples from reading, but whether it's writing, math, whatever it is, teach those new words. And you want to make sure that your students have a solid understanding of the words you're going to be using in your lesson. So tip number one, explicitly teach new vocabulary words. Tip number two, and this is how you're going to sort of get away from having that weekly vocabulary list, is you want to engage your students in word study activities. Now, I've read some research uh, back when I was kind of doing some some research for a product I was creating, and research says that over 60% of the words that students encounter have recognizable word parts. And 
This means that as as teachers, we really have the power to give our students tools that are going to improve their vocabulary. Because if if the majority of the words we encounter have a word part that is recognizable by our students, then they can make an inference. They can use context clues. They can figure those words out, whether we've explicitly taught it or not. And in upper elementary, it's really important that we spend time studying Greek and Latin roots. We spend time talking about prefixes and affixes. We spend time, you know, talking about parts of speech and wanting our students to even understand, you know, the role that that plays in in words. And so the more our students understand word parts and how words are made up and how they're connected and the meaning behind them, the easier it's going to be for them to be able to apply those skills to their independent reading. And if they see a word, they can say, oh, hey, wait, I have recognized that word part. I understand that hydro means water. I can figure out what this word means. You know, so you can give them the tools to become word detectives. And I have a really great vocabulary routine. It's actually a whole bundle of resources and we can link it in the show notes. And I'm actually going to do an entire episode on these specific routines, but it is the same routine and it is going to help your students learn Greek and Latin roots. It's going to help them learn prefixes. It's going to help them learn suffixes. It's going to help them apply context clues to where they're going to develop the the skills needed to be able to figure out words on their own. So word study activities are super important. I will link to that bundle in the show notes in case you want to check it out and just know that there is an episode coming on that relatively quickly. And then connected to that, you want to teach your students how to use context clues. And we want to make sure that our students understand there are five different types of context clues. And so often when I first started teaching context clues, I simply told my students, yeah, a context clue. Use the clues around the word. Reread the sentence. But I didn't actually tell them what they were looking for. And so you want to do explicit instruction on teaching your students to look for synonyms, to look for antonyms, to look for the definition, to look for an example that they might need to reread, not just the entire sentence, but the paragraph that the clue might be before the word or after the word. And so you really want to spend some time explicitly teaching students how to use context clues because this this tip right here, teaching students to use context clues paired with the one I previously said when students engage in word study activities, if they have familiarity with Greek and Latin roots and prefixes and suffixes and they know how to use context clues, then they're going to become unstoppable because then they really have the tools to discover and figure out the meaning of any word that they encounter. So teaching students to use context clues, really important as well. And then another thing, this one is going to come no surprise to you because you guys know I'm a genre nut, but give your students ample opportunities to read a variety of genres. And we become better readers by reading, and we also grow our vocabulary words by reading. Whenever I think of how reading helps us develop our um, our vocabulary words, I think of the Twilight series. Did anybody read the Twilight series? I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit that I actually read that. But that author, and now her name is going to escape me, Stephanie something, she used, she overused, dare I say, she overused the word incredulous. Oh my goodness. That word popped up over and over and over and over again in that book. And to be honest, I remember when I first read that, I was like, I don't really know what this word meant. But as a reader, I was like, I don't need to, I don't need to look up the definition of this word because I can understand what I'm reading without it. But she kept on using it over and over and over again. And I was like, okay, well, now I'm just annoyed that I keep on reading this word and I don't have a solid understanding of it. So I went to look it up and I wanted to know what it meant. But here's the thing about reading is when we read, we discover more new words than we would 
obviously when we're not reading, but when we read a variety of genres, we're going to see different words are used in different genres. You know, words that are used in informational texts are going to be different than words that get used in poetry and different than words that get used in science fiction or historical fiction or fables even. And so the more genres our students read, the more variety of words they're going to be exposed to. So that is just a great tip to help students just see more words. And the more words students see, the more words they're going to be curious about, the more opportunities they have to practice. So reading genres will help with vocabulary. Tip number five, I told you we're going to go through these quick. Tip number five is letting students drive their own vocabulary instruction. So rather than telling your students, here are the words that I think we need to know, um, which is fine to do because, again, we're explicitly teaching our students. But rather than giving your students a list of words, here's the five words you need to know this week, let your students be the ones to come up with the words that they want to study. Let your students be the ones that are discovering new words. Kind of like how I shared with you, I was reading the Twilight series and the word incredulous popped up and I was curious about it. We want our students to do the same thing. So one of the things that I like to do is I would like to create an anchor chart. And this was literally a giant piece of chart paper that was blank and it had, you know, our new words or our class word study, whatever it is, something at the top. And as students were reading a new word in their independent reading that they were curious about, they could go and they could write it on the chart. And not only did I want them to just put this word down, but I wanted them to take the time to actually study that word. I wanted them to look up the definition. I wanted them to look up the synonyms, the antonyms. I wanted to help them understand that word and then share that word and everything they learned about it with the class. And when we sort of give the students the permission to be curious about words, they're going to start discovering and seeing new words all around them. And I remember when I started doing this, I was like, I don't know if my students are actually going to enjoy this, but we would fill up an anchor chart almost every single week. I was constantly having to add a new piece of chart paper to our vocabulary list because students were constantly discovering words. And I was so impressed with the words that they would come across because they weren't simple, basic words that they already knew. They really were rich vocabulary words. And then the thing that's fun about it is when students discover their own words, then they start to use them. And then maybe it becomes a little annoying because they overuse them. And so... You know, whatever the word is, if you let your students discover it and it becomes a part of their reading, they're going to start to use the words over and over and over again. But that's the good thing. That's what we want. We want our students to have background knowledge. We want them to feel confident in trying and exploring new words. So let your students drive their vocabulary instruction by being the ones to select words to study out of their independent reading. Tip number six is to provide students with multiple opportunities to engage with new words. So again, This is why when I was teaching vocabulary using the basil, this is why during the week my students did well with those words because they had multiple opportunities. We read them, we practiced them in centers, we studied them, you know, they got quizzed on them, but then the study ended of those words at the end of the week. But we need to make sure that all throughout the year, the words or the roots or the suffixes or the content-specific vocabulary, whatever it is you're trying to focus on, your students have multiple opportunities all throughout the year. You know, so this could be whether it is, you know, when you discover a previously found word in a read aloud, let your students talk about it, let students make predictions about new words, You know, you want them to confirm the meeting using a dictionary. We want students to be writing these words. We want them to even think about, you know, images and symbols if they were going to create a word wall card for the new words. 
Um, we want students to come up with lists of synonyms and antonyms. We want them to study the parts of speech. We want them to use the words in a sentence. So all of these things are things that you can do, not just the day of or the week of, but all throughout the year. You can always come back to words that you've previously studied or talked about and make a list of synonyms or antonyms or come up with symbols. And so you constantly just want to revisit and provide multiple ways, not just a dictionary and writing, but you want to try to think about how are we going to engage, you know, our students in a variety of ways that focus on words. So multiple opportunities to engage and study new words. And then number seven kind of connects back to number one, this and this idea of explicit vocabulary instruction. But we want to use and teach academic language. And I feel like academic language is like one of those things that became, I don't know, at least in my circle, it became kind of like trendy and popular when I was back in the classroom. And I think it's this idea of we want to make sure that we're using the correct term for the content we are teaching. And the the best example I can come up with this is math. So often we forget to teach our students the content-specific terms, and rather we say things that are going to be easy for them to understand. We dumb it down, if you will. And so I remember when I would teach subtraction in second grade, we would talk about the bigger number and the smaller number. But instead, what I should have been doing is I should have been using the very specific terms, the minuend and the subtrahend. I should have taught my students those vocabulary words. I think for a couple of things, first of all, students love big words. They love when they learn a big, fancy word and they can handle it. They can understand. And I think, too, when we give them the very specific language, we are letting them know that their understanding, their full understanding of this content area is important to us. That's why we're not going to use the common language like bigger numbers or smaller numbers, but we're going to teach them the specific terms, minuend and sub- subtrahend, you know, or whatever it might be. So, you know, just try to think about what academic content areas are you teaching? And in any ways, are you, are you using, you know, replacement words that you think your students will understand versus the academic language. So just make sure that you are aware and you are using and teaching academic language to your students. And then one of the things that I think is so important to do is that we want to assess vocabulary authentically. Authentically, unfortunately, is not a quiz. It is not a multiple choice test. Those do not give us any indicator as to whether or not our students actually know, understand, and can use the words. Now, the thing about those assessments is that they're easy for teachers and that they're quick. So I understand why. And if you have to use those, that's fine. Just don't necessarily rely on them for full vocabulary assessment understanding. And so ultimately, you want to think about what is our goal of vocabulary instruction? What are we actually trying to get our students to do? Well, we want our students to use new words in discussions and in their writing. We want our students to be able to understand and correctly use academic language for whatever subject we are teaching. And we want our students to be able to correctly use word study strategies, kind of those things that we talked about, context clues and you know word parts, Greek and Latin roots and affixes to solve unknown words. So those are kind of the three things that we want to make sure our students know how to do when it comes to vocabulary. So those are the things that we want to assess. Those are the things that we want to pay attention to. So rather than doing the quiz or the weekly assessment, maybe you use a rubric to see how your students are doing with that. Maybe you use a rubric for reading responses. Maybe you use a checklist to see, uh, you know, how your students are doing. Can they use uh, content-specific vocabulary? Or maybe even a checklist of these are the Greek and Latin roots that we've studied, you know, can students identify words, you know, in their reading with that. You can use a checklist during reading conferences or even guided reading when you're listening to students. And if they come across the opportunity to solve an unknown word, 
do they know what to do? Can they, you know, articulate to you? Oh, yeah, I didn't know this word, but I know the root and I know the affix. So, you know, you could use a checklist to assess things like that. And and these forms of assessment, a rubric or a checklist or even just having a conversation with kids or even paying attention to the words that they use in their you know daily discussions, that is going to be a much more authentic way to see if your students are growing in their vocabularies versus a matching assessment or a quiz or a multiple choice test. I know sometimes that is like an unpopular opinion, but I like to share what I consider is best practice. And I just don't think that those vocabulary quizzes are a best practice for our students. So tip number nine, this connects back to last week's episode, and that is display a word wall. Word walls in upper elementary are so helpful. And the reason why I love a word wall is any word that you teach, whether it is content specific or something that your students discover in an independent reading text, you can display it in your classroom with a word wall card. You put the word, put the definition, and put a picture cue. And that is just going to be a a visual reminder for your students to use that word, to remember what it means. When we see something, we remember it. So if you need more information about a word wall, go back and listen to last week's episode. I shared all about it, but that is, I think, one of the important things about vocabulary is making sure that it's accessible to our students at all times, and a word wall does that. And then tip number 10, again, I told you these were going to be fast and furious, so tip number 10, make it fun. I I think that word study can be so much fun sometimes. I remember as a kid, I was homeschooled up until sixth grade, which means I never actually went to elementary school, which I think is so funny because that's like my profession now. But I remember we studied homophones and I loved homophones. I loved learning about them. I thought it was so interesting that a homophone, there could be two words that sound exactly the same, have different spellings and mean two completely different things. And we made lists upon lists of them. We made books of them. We illustrated them. And it was just fun. We That was just one of the fun memories that I have. And so I just, words are interesting, right? The English language is fascinating. Words can be interesting and vocabulary is not meant to be dry and boring. And the more students know, the bigger their world becomes. And not only can you make your vocabulary instruction fun and engaging, but also think about how amazing it is that when our students know more words, they can read and understand and enjoy more, which means the more your students understand vocabulary, the more they're gonna be able to enjoy their reading and they're gonna have more fun reading. So again, you can incorporate games into your vocabulary. You can make it artistic. You can just, you know, I don't know, anything that your students enjoy. You can align it to their interests. You can do a lot of movement and partner practice. And so just make it fun. It doesn't have to be, like I said, the weekly lists always get kind of dry and boring. I probably need to stop harassing you guys about them uh, because I know some teachers have to use them. But even if you do, make them fun. Turn them into a game. Let students do an art project with it. Let them even come up with it. I always loved when my students had ideas about things. They could do charades with vocabulary words, you know, whatever it is. There's all sorts of ways that you can make teaching fun. But just make vocabulary fun. Learning new words. I think sometimes our students have this, I don't know if shame is the right word, but if students don't know something, I think they can feel inferior. And so I think sometimes there's this idea of if a student doesn't know a vocabulary word, they can be embarrassed by it. But I think when we take the time to regularly make learning and studying new words and helping students realize that we all have words that we don't know yet, but we can study them and we can have fun with them and we can talk about them. And even if we mistakes make mistakes using them, it is okay because ultimately, you know, the more we try to use the words, the better it is. So there we go. 10 tips, fast and furious, but hopefully this episode makes you feel just a little bit more prepared to tackle your job as a vocabulary teacher this next year. And hopefully you have some ideas that will maybe take your vocabulary instruction just a little bit further than what you did last year. And of course, if you have questions about anything I shared, do not hesitate to reach out to me. And 
I will be back next week with another episode. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week. 